Thank you for joining us today at Our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in six different locations. We hope that today's message encourages and empowers you on your spiritual journey and helps you grow deeper in your relationship with God. To learn more about Our Savior's Church or how you can get involved, you can visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Happy, happy Mother's Day. There's a challenge with a Mother's Day message um, do you speak to the mamas in the room, or, or do you speak to the people that are here with them? That's the choice I had this week in preparing uh, for this message. And hey, can I just say, I know you may be here as a gift to your mama. This is your first time in church. Maybe this isn't a place that you regularly attend. Can I just say thank you for coming? Thank you for honoring her, being in service with her. We want this service to be a blessing to you. We don't expect anything from you. We just want God things for you, and I hope you're blessed and can receive, um, but I really am grateful and thankful uh, that you're coming. So here's what I thought I would do. I thought I would share today to two groups of people uh, that are here in the room. I, I want to speak to the mothers and those who have them. That's who I want to speak to today, and, and again, you're here because of a mother. I know that Mother's Day is, is, is one of those, those times that can be sweet and also a little Little, little bittersweet as well, and I, I do, I think there's no better place to honor the memory of our mama than here in church learning God's word. But I want to speak today to mothers and those who have them, and I think my favorite Mother's Day thought is a little humorous quote, and it's this, it's not easy being a mother. If it were, fathers would be doing it. <laughs> and uh, we all know, especially us fathers, they were grateful for the mothers. I was actually reading about the origins of Mother's Day this week, and I learned that no one really quite knows when Mother's Day began. Some, some believe that Mother's Day began um, initially launched by some anti-war activists in 1872, right? It sounds just like a mom, right? Would you two just get along and stop fighting? And Julia Ward Howe, better known for writing the Battle Hymn of the Republic, um, actually advocated for a Mother's Day of Peace where women would gather in churches and in homes listening to sermons and essays and they would sing and they would pray for peace. And those, those activities, those meetings continued to populate throughout a lot of the major U.S. cities but faded away at the beginning of World War I. And then from there, in 1904, a man named Frank Herring he was actually a, a professor at the University of Notre Dame. He delivered a speech that was entitled, Our Mothers and Their Lives. It was a public call to set aside a national day to honor mothers. And about that same time, there was a completely different person. Her name was Anna Jarvis, and she began this campaign to honor her own mother who had participated in those previous anti-war meetings and actually chose the second Sunday of May on the anniversary of her mother's death to get people gathered together to honor mothers. And from most of recorded history, from what I can tell, these two individuals fought bitterly over which one of them gets credit for creating what we now know as Mother's Day. Isn't that ironic? Mamas, you get one day a year and the kids can't decide who gets credit uh, for that, I thought it was hilarious. 1914, President Woodrow Wilson signed a bill designating the second Sunday in May as a legal holiday, Mother's Day, it was called, and it was dedicated to this, to the best mother in the world, your mother. 
1918, General John Blackjack Pershing, he was the commander of all American forces in Europe in, in World War I, issued this general order to all the troops. Here's what he told them. Write home to mama. Here's the quote he actually, I've got it right here for you. This is a little thing for each one to do, he said. But these letters will carry back our courage and affection to the patriotic women whose love and prayers inspire us and cheer us on to victory right home to mama. And I would say with some modern technology available to us today, if you can't see your mama today, at least pick up the phone and let her hear your voice. We can do that for them in stealing his words. It's a little thing for each of us to do, but it's going to mean so much to them. I have a few thoughts today for mothers, and I'll start with this one. Motherhood is an invitation to make a generational impact. Motherhood is an invitation to make a generational impact. I have here an apple, and uh, you may not realize this, but inside this very apple, um, you, can, you can easily count the seeds in this apple, but it's impossible to count the apples inside the seeds that are in this apple. Do you understand what I'm saying? I can, count, I can cut this, and there's going to be five seeds inside of this apple. But how many apples do you think are going to come from those five seeds? It's almost impossible to count. I know just a little bit of math. And in these five seeds, the average apple tree will produce 300 apples in uh, each season. And if each apple has five seeds, that's 1,500 seeds per season. Next season, each of those 1,500 seeds has the potential to produce another tree bearing 1,500 seeds. That's another 450,000 apples and another 2,250,000 seeds. And it just continues to go and go and go. How many of you know there's a lot of value, a lot of potential here inside of this apple? Every apple carries a seed that carries with it an untold number of future Apples, And I think the same thing can be said of motherhood. Whether you have one child or five or ten, every child carries with them the potential to reproduce through them what was produced in them. You'll do know that's how God works, right? He doesn't necessarily want to do something in your life. He wants to do something through your life. He will take what he's done in your life and use it through your life. So here's my question for the moms here in the room. What are you imparting to your children that they will carry into the future long after you're gone? Because I'm telling you, there's a lot of apples inside of that seed. Here's the first thing I think that mamas can impact into the future. Number one, you can impart God's truth. Proverbs 22 verse 6 says this, Train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. I know a lot of mamas that are holding on to that verse. Look what the Passion Translation says about it. It says the values that they've learned from you will be with them for life. With them for life. As a young child, I remember from an early age, I was encouraged to memorize scripture. And the first scripture verse that I memorized was Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, 
they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I want you to know the impact that those verses have had on this young child my whole life. Every time I face some difficulty, those words come back to my mind. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemy. It means he knew this was coming. I don't have to be surprised by that. He anoints my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Even in the blessings that I have in my life come from him. You see that? You see how powerful the word can be to somebody? Surely goodness and mercy will dwell with me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Do Do your children know your favorite Bible verses, and do they know why? I would challenge you, mamas. Share them. Help them to memorize those. Make it a part of your life. I remember one time as a child, as a consequence for some foolish thing that I did, my mom made me memorize all the books of the Bible in order before I would not, no longer be grounded. Still to this day, when searching through my Bible, I remember Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and it just happens to stick inside of my mom. How many of you are grateful that Mama Norman decided that her son needed to learn scripture from an early, early age? I am too. Here's the great preacher Charles Spurgeon writes in his, in his, in his book, Early Religious Impressions. Here's what he says, I am sure that in my early youth no teaching ever made such an impression upon my mind as the instruction of my mother. Neither can I conceive that to any child. There can be one who will have such influence over the heart as the mother who has so tenderly cared for her offspring. Don't ever underestimate the important role you have in sharing God's truth with your children, even from a young age. Deuteronomy 6 6 through 7 says this, And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. Mamas, you can impart God's truth into your children. Here's the second thing you can do. You can impart a godly example. You can impart a godly example. You can impart this godly example even in the way you live. Growing up, there was a period of my childhood where my mom was a single mom, three boys. Um, She's the daughter of Command Sergeant Major uh, Don Ray Van Meter. And most of the bases that she was at growing up, he was the commander of those bases. She walked around and everybody knew exactly who she was. And it was no surprise to us growing up that there was a lot of things in our household that she did because that's the way you do them. For example, when we got ready to leave the house and go to a restaurant, my mom would stand beside the car door. None of us would drive. We would stand beside the car door and she would wait for one of us boys to come and open the door so that she could get inside and close the door behind her. That was the mama that I grew up with inside of my house. It didn't stop there. We'd get to the restaurant, park in the parking lot, and she would walk up to the glass door and would wait at the glass door until one of us boys got a clue and opened the door for her, and then she would walk inside. 
It didn't stop there. We would get to the table and she would stand beside the chair and wait for her young men to pull the chair out so she could be seated. And then we would go, and heaven forbid if you butt into your dessert before she got her served at that thing. That's just the way she lived. There was a way that I learned to honor her by the way that she lived, even in seasons when there was no other man in my life to teach me how to honor a woman. You can leave a godly example by the way you live. You can also leave a godly example by the way that you serve. Proverbs 31, we know in our Bibles, refers to a virtuous woman. Many of you are familiar with that passage. Look at some of these verses that are there describing this living by example in the way that she serves. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff and, to, and her hands to hold the spindle. She makes bed coverings for herself and her clothing is fine linen and purple. She looks well into the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Mamas, you can impart a godly example, not just in the way that you live, but also in the way that you serve. And you can do so in the way that you love. You say, well, Pastor Don, what are you talking about? How can I impart a godly example in the way that I love? Mamas, I know it's easy to love your children, but I need you to understand this principle. Here it is. Your children will value what you value. They will love what you love, and they will give where you give. Let me show you how this plays out. It's not difficult to see in our lives, but what happens to the kid whose mom values them above all else in her life. Well, they learn to value themselves above all else in their life. What happens to the kid whose mom gives them everything that they want and everything that they ask for? Yeah, they learn to love themselves and learn to expect everyone else will do the same. What happens to the kid whose mom loves them more than any other relationship that she has in life, they learn to love themselves more than any other relationship that they have in their lives. But a mama who loves God first, a mama who loves a husband second, and her children third will raise children that understand we are not the center of the world. That this whole thing doesn't revolve around us. You say, well, Pastor John, I don't want my kids to grow up feeling insecure that I don't love them more than anything else. Listen, you loving God more than them, you loving their father more than them will help them not be insecure. It will help them be very secure in their lives. What you love, they'll love. What you value, they'll value. What you give, they will give. A mama who serves the church using her gifts and her talents will teach her children to be a part of something bigger than them. Selves. Can I tell you, my children love church because Kayla and I love church. We sacrifice to be here to watch this place grow, and we've watched them fall in love with that as well. And a mama who is strong enough, a mama who is strong enough to allow her kids to appropriately struggle along the way will grow children who grow strong themselves. And sometimes, mama, it takes more strength to say no than it does not to. All of us boys 
Fortunately, none of us were, were arrested growing up, but we knew not to call mama if we got arrested on the first day. Because she was going to let us stay the night anyway, and we might as well just call her on the second day to let her know what was going on in our lives. You can impart God's truth. You can impart a godly example, and you can impart the fear of God. And you say, Pastor Don, what are, you, what are you talking about? How can I as a mama impart the fear of God into my children? For most children, the fear of the Lord begins with learning the fear of mama. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I can't do that. My mama would kill me. For many of us, you're the first form of government that your children will ever learn. And you do realize when they leave your home, they're going to walk into God's government. It might be a good idea to try to run your household as close to the way he runs his household. So they're not trying to adjust too much along the way when they leave your household. You're the first form of government. My mom, I, didn't, I told you about her military background, but I didn't tell you her stature. And my mama is five foot three and about 105 pounds, um, soaking wet. And she raised us boys who were quite a bit larger than her. And there's this ongoing story that we like to tell in our household. And I was the first, I'm the oldest. And I remember the day when my mom decided something that I had done deserved a spanking. My mom believed in chastising us using, and for her, I don't recommend this, but she grabbed whatever was closest. Um, you know, if you were going to act up, make sure you were standing by something that you'd be okay with getting hit with. Um, in their house. I'm not advocating that at all. Um, but this is, I remember being of the age where I thought, no, mom, you're not going to spank me anymore. Um, I am, some of y'all are like, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is what happened. She said, you know what? I think you're right. And here's how we'll do this, son. If you can bend me over your knee and spank me, then I'll never spank you again. Five foot three, 105 pounds. All right, I got her by at least 50 pounds. And I'm thinking, all right, deal, game. I was 15, 16 years old, let's go. I did. Eventually, cuts and bruises and all, and I got her over my knee just long enough for her to reach up, and I'll spare you the graphics. And I screamed like I had never screamed before. <laughs> And got completely out of that place right then and there. And to this day, my mom reserves the right to spank me because I never put her over my knee and never will. True story, I got a phone call from my brother and he said, hey, mom made me a deal. I said, really? <laughs> I'd left the house. I was, I was already, already living out of the house and my younger brother's four years younger than me. And he, he, said, he said, yeah, she made me this deal. I said, what was it? She said that if I could bend her over my knee and spank her, that she'd never spank me again. I said, really? How did it go? Not good. <laughs> you don't say. Yeah, man, she reached down and grabbed me. I thought that was out of line. And she said she didn't have any rules whatsoever. And he said, she can spank me whenever she wants. I remember when my youngest brother... 10 years younger than me, told me about the time mom made him a deal as well. The same story, but a broken shelf and a broken dresser in the way. And he said this to me. He said, Don, why didn't, why didn't you tell me? 
I said, because I didn't want it to happen to me again either. Like, y'all just figure this out. And to this day, my mom reserves the right to spank any one of us at any time with whatever is close by because none of us have been strong enough or man enough or willing enough to bend her over our knee. That's my mama. Charles Spurgeon, again, recalling his mother, said this. It's a longer quote. I'll show you parts of it. I cannot tell how much I owe to the solemn words of my good mother. It was the custom on Sunday evenings while we were yet little children for her to stay home with us. And then we sat around the table and read verse by verse, and she explained the scripture to us. And after that was done, then came the time of pleading. There was a little piece of the book, Eileen's Alarm, of, or of Baxter's Call to the Unconverted. And this was read with pointed observations made to each of us as we sat around the table. And the question was asked, how long it would be before we would think about our state? How long before we would seek the Lord? Then came a mother's prayer. And some of the words of that prayer we shall never forget, even when our hair is gray. I remember on one occasion her praying this, Now, Lord, if my children go on in their sins, it will not be from ignorance that they perish. And my soul must bear a swift witness against them at the day of judgment if they lay not a hold of Christ. That thought of a mother's bearing swift witness against me pierced my conscience and stirred my heart. That's preacher Charles Spurgeon. To the mothers here today, you can impart God's truth. You can impart a good example, and you can also impart the fear of God into your children. And to those here today who have mothers, remember this. You would not be here without her. So here's my question. What will you do with the mother that you've been given? Here's some ideas that I think your pastor would like to share with you on this Mother's Day. Here's the first one. Make sure you tell her often. Because the enemy sure is. What are you talking about, Pastor Don? What do you mean? Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. This is the part of the curse that came from the sin that Adam and Eve brought into the garden. And here's God speaking to Satan, verse 15. And I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. And from that moment, every mother has had hostility in her parenting as a result of this curse and the enemy here. Proverbs 31, a passage describing the virtuous woman, ends this way. Proverbs 31, 31. So go ahead and give her the credit that is due, for she has become a radiant woman. All of her loving works of righteousness deserve to be admired at the gates of every city. Look at me, church. The enemy is telling her she's messed it up. The enemy's even told her that she's messed you up. It starts early, doesn't it, mamas? It starts very early. The truth is, I hate to be the one to break it to you, she probably has messed you up a little bit. I remember the first time I heard Pastor Jim LaFoon stand on stage and say this phrase. He said, every parent parents some level of dysfunction into their children because we're all dysfunctional and we're all broken and we all have sin in our lives. And I remember sitting on the front row, a small child in hand and thinking, man, that is so relieving that my pastor would get up and say that everybody parents some level of dysfunction, but it doesn't stop the enemy from jawing in your ear. So you need to tell her that you're proud of her. 
The enemy is telling her that she's not a very good mother. You need to be the one to tell her that she is a good mother. And nobody in the world would be able to speak that the way that you could as her child. The enemy is telling her that she's not enough. You need to tell her that you're thankful for her. The enemy is telling her that nobody sees what she does. Nobody appreciates what she has done for you. You need to be the one to acknowledge the things that have happened, the things that you've seen, the things that you've recognized that she's done. Those words coming from you will mean the world. I wish I was so much younger when I realized the value that my words played when I spoke them to my mother. I didn't realize the power of the life that I could speak to her. Some of the most intimate times I've had with my mother as an adult have simply come from me saying, hey, mama, I didn't realize this, but man, when we'd go through the grocery store and you'd only let us buy the generic cereal, it was probably because you were worried about everything else we were going to put in the cart that day and not realizing how we would get there. I've never told, thank you that I've never gone hungry. Thank you that I've never missed a meal. The times that I've spent counseling single mamas with young kids and light bulbs are going off like, oh my gosh, my mom was in this same boat. Like, mom, how you kept us clothed? I remember making her feel so bad that I couldn't have that cowboy starter jacket that I wanted when I was 10, 11, 12 years old that cost $100. And when I called her and said, Mama, thank you for not buying that for me. I don't know what we had to do without and the number of things that you didn't, but I, it couldn't have been easy raising us by yourself. The appreciation that I can give is not like any other. If you have a mama that you can call, can I encourage you, can I implore you, use your words to share the things that you see and you acknowledge and you appreciate. How many of you love your pastor for helping you with this wisdom on, on Mother's Day? I need you to tell her often. And here's the next thought for those with mamas. If your relationship with your mother is strained, God's grace is enough. It's enough for you and it's enough for her. You say, well, Pastor Don, you don't know the kind of mother I had. You're right, I don't. But let me remind you of this very real truth to every single person here today. She didn't choose you either. <laughs> there wasn't a brochure. There, 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 there wasn't a guide. You couldn't flip to page 72 and, and pick all the different attributes that would exist in your child. She, she would have picked the Sammy model, you know, the one with, with an easy delivery. Moderate toddler phase, a, a bit stubborn but would make good grades as a teenager and be a, a natural leader among his peers. That's the child she would have picked from the catalog, but she didn't. She came home with you. You're the Tiffany model. Labor and toddlerhood will almost kill you, but she'll be quite the athlete and impress you as a young adult if you allow her to get there in that age. Or maybe your mom or dad came home with the John model. Description, the brochure said it'll make you feel really good about your parenting abilities until they become a teenager. Then you'll wonder if they've been secretly swapped with another model 
that somebody else had raised along the way. Listen, I know it's funny and it's humorous. You didn't choose her and she didn't choose you and that's life and that's parenting. That's the adventure. Both of you get to figure out how to do this together. And let me tell you, she did the best that she could and is still trying to this day. And you may no longer be in her home, but you were absolutely in her heart. And every day she prays and asks God for the strength to be the mother that he has called her to be in this season of life. And let me tell you this, children. About the time she gets the hang of this one season, you grow and change and there's a whole other season that she's got to learn how to figure out along the way. You are not the only one struggling in this relationship. God's grace will be enough for you and you need to trust that God's grace is enough for her. Am I doing okay at this preaching thing? And let me tell you something that I absolutely know to be fact. With God's grace and encouragement, your relationship with your mother can be the best that it's ever been. The best days of motherhood and your mother relationship aren't behind you. They're in front of you. And it's going to take a little bit of humility, a little bit of honesty, a little bit of trust, and a whole lot of grace. And the best days are ahead of you. And I want to close today with a promise. A promise from God's word for all mothers who are trusting the Lord for your children who don't know him. A promise for you to cling to and pray over your child. And we find it in Isaiah chapter 44, verse 2 through 5. Here's what it says. Thus says the Lord who made you, who formed you from the womb and will help you. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, Jeshurun, whom I have chosen. For I will pour out water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. They shall spring up among like the grass, like willows by flowing streams. This one will say, I am the Lord's. Another will call on the name of Jacob, and another will write on his hand, the Lord's, and name himself by the name of Israel. How many mamas want to claim some of those truths for your children here today? Listen, don't miss the first part, the most important part of that promise that God has made to you this Mother's Day Right there at the beginning, verse 2, let's look at it. Thus says the Lord who made you. He made you. He made you to be their mama. Of all the mamas he could have chosen, he chose you to mother them. He formed you from the womb, and look at this, and will what? And will help you. God hasn't asked you to do anything that he's not willing to help you with. A few years ago, at the beginning of our Arise Women's Conference, all the church women gathered together. A declaration was written and spoken over the women of our church, and I thought it would be so fitting to share that with you again today. Pay attention to the screen. We have forgotten who we are in this shadow land of dreams sewn our fig leaf covers and turned to lesser lovers and magnified the voice of our enemy, you will never be enough. The greatest enemy of your femininity has launched an all-out assault on your identity because he knows who you were meant to be and fears you. It all started with a girl in a garden 
She was deemed very good, a reflection of true beauty bearing the very fingerprint of God, glorious, powerful, captivating. Interstage left, the craftiest of creatures, couched in the scaly skin of a serpent, hell-bent to defy, and the girl, well, she succumbed to his lie. Despite what her good father had said, thought clearly she wasn't enough as is, took matters into her own hands, convinced her heart could not be trusted in his. She forgot who she was. Enter Shadowland scene. She sewed her fig leaf covers and turned to lesser lovers and magnified the voice of her enemy. Look closely, you might see yourself in her choices. We're all daughters of Eve and the snake still peddles his poison. It's a voice that has left us with this nagging sense of failing to measure up. An arrow sharp message that you're just not enough. Not pretty enough, not smart enough, not wife enough, not mom enough, not thin enough, not godly enough, not Instagram, Pinteresty, Photoshop, Facebook, filtered enough, right? Enough is enough. Now, I could tell you that you're more dearly loved than you dare to believe, more valuable than your finite mind can conceive, and it's true, but I would be remiss to tell you this and not first present this clue. A wise woman once said, don't tell me who I am until you've caused me to gaze in awe at the I am. See, the only way back to your true self is to lose yourself in him. What we need is not another self-help guru. You do you, boo, go find yourself and live your truth mantra of the age. What we need is to fix our gaze upon the truth because self-esteem is a myth if we don't first esteem him. And there's no true self-worth if not birthed out of this to lose oneself in awe and wonder, to be schooled in self-forgetful worship. Because self-care has a place, sure enough, but self-forgetful worship cures more cares than self-care ever does. You become what you behold, so come, lift your eyes with me. He was the word at the beginning, the wisdom by which the worlds were made. He spoke galaxies into existence, held there by the strength of his name. He is master craftsman, from redwood to rose, brilliant belt of Orion bright to firefly on a summer night. He is true light. His kingdom endures. His throne is forever. He is consuming fire and living water. He is thunder and whisper, lion and lamb, and the way back to your true self is to lose yourself in him. Oh, sisters, dear sisters, there's this place that I found where you can fall on your knees, lay your burden down, the divide between heaven and earth reclaimed, a bridge between paradise lost and regained, a grace-filled, love-spilled, blood-stained cross that exacted the great exchange. Here, a girl can receive her new name, chosen, forgiven, holy, restored. For your shame, his honor. For your sorrow, his joy. So much more than enough to offer the world. Greater is he who is in you. The enemy was right to fear you. What would it look like if we truly believed this? 
our lives, our identities anchored in Jesus, if our differences were not things to be envied or despised, but reflectors of our multifaceted God, so vast, so wide, so spacious is He, that everything finds its proper place without crowding, free to celebrate one another instead of compare, to live before Him, hands open instead of white-knuckle fear. There is glory in you that the world desperately needs. Not your striving and comparison, but your beauty and strength, the prayers you'll pray, the songs you'll sing, what you'll create, what you'll paint, what you'll write, what you'll preach, the mountains you'll climb, the mountains you'll move, pioneering paths for those after you, carrying dreams on your hips, businesses on your backs, living water on your heads, resurrection to the dead. You are home builders, wound healers, weapon wielders, life givers, just like the one who gave life to you. Glorious, powerful, captivating. Let us remember who we are in the shadow land of dreams, robed in righteous cover, found in our perfect lover, and magnify the voice that sets us free. He is more than enough for you and for me, so arise in truth. Arise in strength, arise in abundance, arise in peace, arise in its victory, arise in its love. Let faith arise and lift your eyes. Welcome to Enough. Mamas, I want you to look up here at me. said he never left you, never forsaken you. Sure, you may have more empowerment and more grace and more, more wisdom and, and more ability and more finances and all of that at this stage in your life than you did back there, but I need you to understand you are enough. That God hasn't asked you to do anything that is too hard for you with his help. Oh, he absolutely will ask you to do some things that are too hard for you without his help. And the weight that you carry will drive you into his presence. Those little ones, they're a gift. Meant to grow you. Meant to grow them. Meant to grow the relationship that the two of you are to have. And I want to speak life into you. There is nowhere else you can be. You're not going to turn on the television today and have somebody tell you God's enough. You're not going to go to social media and open Facebook or scroll through TikTok. Nobody's going to tell you that you have what it takes when you have him. And as here, as we conclude our service, I want to ask everybody to bow your head and close your eyes. Because I can't help but think can't help but believe that there are some in here today that would say, Pastor Don, I don't feel like I'm enough. I don't feel like I have what it takes. I'm struggling. This is hard. 
I don't think I can do it. And right there where you are, I want to pray for you. I want to ask God that he would meet you. And I want to know who I'm praying with today. Say, Pastor Don, I need that. I need God's presence. I need his grace. I need his mercy. I need his equipping. I need his empowering. Right there where you are, I'd like you to stand to your feet so I know who I'm praying with. Nobody's looking around. It's just you and God acknowledging, God, I need you. God, I need you. I'm going to pray, and as you wrestle with that internal struggle and the pride of thinking that you can do it on your own, it's never too late to stand. The time isn't up. You haven't missed out, but I'm going to pray. And as I pray, if the Holy Spirit speaks to you and ministers to you, don't miss this opportunity to stand to your feet and acknowledge that you need his help. Father, in the name of Jesus, I speak a blessing over every single person standing here today. God, your word is true. It is life. It has a purpose. It has a place. And it has a plan. And I thank you for what you're doing and what you're equipping in this very house. People who aren't supposed to be able to do it on their own. People who are supposed to be struggling in the heaviness of life and the purpose and the destiny that you brought forth through them. It's to draw them to you today, God. And so I ask, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you would reach down, that you would touch them, that you would fill them, that you would set them straight. Show them and point them in the direction you would have them walk. Let them trust every step. Let them trust in you for every direction. Let them trust in you for every, every supply. Let them trust in you for every need that is lacking in their life. And I ask, Father, that you would empower them, that you would equip them. God, that your very presence would surround them. I pray that even as they leave here today, that you would remind them and show them that you're right there, that you've got this, and that you've got them. That yes, they need to carry it. Yes, they need to do it. Yes, they need to work. And yes, they need to struggle. But you're not doing it alone. I thank you for making them strong. I thank you for those that are watching. Those in their household. That know how hard it is. That know where the lack is. And I pray through them. Trusting you. Being fulfilled by you finding their very being in you that others would watch and others would see and through provision in their life I pray that others would grow to trust in you in a greater way I pray you would use them use them Father and I ask this in the all abiding very present never forsaking always in abundance grace-filled, grace-empowered name of Jesus Christ today. We receive that. Every head bowed and every eyes closed. You may be seated. You say, Pastor Don, I don't have that relationship with God. I need one. God's been trying to get my attention. And he has it now. I want you to hear my voice when I tell you I would not be the pastor that God called me to be to you if I didn't tell you this. In church on a Mother's Day, your children may have a relationship with Jesus and have trusted in him. But mamas, if you don't, 
that doesn't automatically get you to heaven. Your mama may have had a relationship with Jesus. You may have seen her pray and trust God every day of your life, but that's not enough for you to be restored in relationship with him. You need to be in relationship with him yourself. Jesus said it this way. He said, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. You can't even see the kingdom of heaven unless you've been born again. Born again, that's not a Catholic word. It's not a Protestant word. It's not even a Pastor Don or an OSC word. That's a Jesus word, and here's what it means. That there's a birth that comes naturally in our physical bodies. There's a birth that comes spiritually. When the Holy Spirit comes into your life and awakens the dead things in life, it gives you an appetite for things of the Spirit. Pastor Don, how do I know if the Holy Spirit has awakened my life spiritually today? I would tell you this way. It's as simple as A, B, C. A, admit. Maybe for the first time in your life, you can admit that you're a sinner, that your choices and your decisions have separated you from a righteous and a loving God. You've been trying to do it your own, and you now realize that that has gotten you nowhere. The Holy Spirit's working in your life if you can admit your sin. I would also say be belief. Maybe for the first time today, you can believe that God sent his son Jesus just for you to die a death so that you wouldn't have to, to live a life that you couldn't live to pay a debt that there's no way you could pay on your own. If you can admit, if you can believe the Holy Spirit is working in your life for salvation today, you'll also be able to confess. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and Savior. Savior's the easy part when you're struggling. It's the Lord part. It's the Lordship that Jesus, I'll do it your way. I'm tired of doing it my way. You are in command. You are in control. I'm going to do it your way. And if you're here today and you say, Pastor Don, I can admit, I can believe, and I can confess. I've never done it before. I've never asked Jesus to come into my life. I've never been born again before, but I want to do so today. I want to ask you right there where you are. Nobody's looking around. I'm not trying to embarrass you. I'm trying to help you. I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand and look at me so I know who I'm praying with today. Right there where you are, if you wanna be born again, raise your hand. Thank you, I see your hand. Thank you, I see your hand. Raise your hand and look at me. When I see you, you can put them down. Thank you, thank you, I see your hand. Looking up in the balcony today. Thank you, I see your hand, both of you. I see your hand. Anybody else, you may put your hands down one more time before I pray. Thank you, I see your hand. Those of you that raise your hands, I wanna invite you to say this prayer with me. It's not the prayer that saves you, the Holy Spirit has saved you. He's allowing you to be able to pray this prayer and admit this. And I'm gonna ask everybody in this room to say this prayer with those that are raising their hands, indicative of the fact that nobody walks through Christianity alone. Say this with me, dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my sin and my shame and my guilt and you died for me. And I believe you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth and a relationship with your father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to follow you with all my heart, no matter what it costs me. And I declare that God is my father Jesus is my Lord and Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper, and heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. Let's celebrate with all those who are born again.